Welcome to The Shalene Show. Shalene is a New York Times bestselling author, celebrity fitness trainer, and obsessed with helping you live your dream life. My name is Shalene Johnson. Thank you so much for joining me on The Shalene Show. Today, we're talking about goals and the mere mention of goals. For some people, it freaks you out because it feels heavy and it feels like, oh boy, does that not sound like fun? So I want to make this really simple for you today and exciting and fun and um, light and actionable. Today, I want to talk to you about a very critical step that most people leave outside of their goal setting. First and foremost, you have to know this. Your goals need to be in writing. First of all, goals need to be measurable, meaning that you can't, it is not in your best interest to set goals that are vague, like I need to get in better shape. I need to build my email list. I should spend more time with my husband. All of those are so vague and your brain doesn't know what to do with ambiguity. That's why when we hear like part of a story, we fill in all the extra pieces. We're not doing that to be gossips. We're not doing that to be nosy. We're not doing that to invent facts or details, but our brains need specificity. That's why the more, like when someone's trying to tell you about a restaurant to visit or a place where they've gone in your city and they're trying to explain to you where it is, you're like, until you can really picture exactly the location and you know what it's next to and you're like, oh, I've been in that plaza before, your brain just can't even handle it. And it's trying to picture in all these different places. It's the same reason why when we meet people, we're like, well, is he married or is he single? Did he grow up here or did he grow up in the Midwest? You know, like we want all the details because our brains want, we don't like ambiguity. We like, we like very specific information. It's hard for our brains to process anything that's incredibly vague. And the same is true of goals. So when we set goals that are general, like I need to get in better shape, our brain goes, I don't know what to do with that other than to keep beating you up. And when we say things like, I should work more in my business, your brain says, well, what am I supposed to do with that? vague piece of information. However, when you give it specificity, such as it is my goal to exercise five times a week, or I need to make sure that I'm scheduling a date night once a week with my spouse. My goal is to add 200 people to my email list every single day. That's very specific. And as some of you have mentioned here, it is a common practice amongst uh, professionals who teach goal setting to use the term measure. So, and you've probably heard the term before, SMART goals, where there needs to be measure attached and the measure needs to be very specific so that even a child could say, okay, you hit your mark. There's no, you know, because if we say like, I want to get in better shape, what does that mean? You know, you can very easily let yourself off the hook. So they need to have measure number one. And, and this is something I believe is incredibly important. They must be written down. When you put your goals in writing, what happens is you take it from your head and each letter as you write it, not, not on your phone. That's very different. The digital device has a very different effect on our brains than actually using your own hand and taking pen to paper. What happens is your brain begins to process each letter as you're writing them. That processing piece is very important because it's like taking it from a, an idea that's bouncing around on your head and you're processing what exactly it is that you want. And when you write it down, I personally believe it's putting it out into the universe. And once you've decided that you really want something and you're determined to make it happen, the universe works with you to make that happen. It's amazing. 
goals should be fast approaching and bite size. I used to for many, many years, and even in my book, Push, I taught the concept of teaching a system of goal setting based on 12 months. Just, you know, what, what do you want to have? What would you like to say you've done in the next 12 months? But I don't do that anymore. And that is because I have practical experience working with thousands and thousands and thousands of entrepreneurs. And I have very specific personal experience working with a handful of very successful entrepreneurs in our private coaching and mentorship group where we were able to experiment with the length of time that goals, how quickly people could achieve and what they're able to accomplish if we were to set shorter term goals. So what we found in the last three years of experimenting with this and our case studies is that the people who had the most amazingly fast, exciting success were those who were able to set their goals every 90 days. We've experimented with once a week goals. We've experimented with every 10 day goals. We've experimented with every six months and 12 months. 90 days happens to be that magic number for us. And again, we've practiced this year after year and just about every increment you can possibly imagine in 90 days works. So I like them to be fast approaching. I like them to be goals. I suggest that they be goals that are just outside of your comfort zone. So not like ridiculous goals. And also it doesn't make any sense to set a goal that you're already on pace for. That's not a goal. That's a check mark. A goal is something that's like, this is scary. It would be amazing, but it's going to take some courage for me to even speak it out loud. It's not going to be simple. And that's what I want you to do today is to set a 90 day goal. What type of goals should you set? I personally believe that at least three of your goals should be related to an area where you feel um, after you've done an assessment of all areas of your life, your health, your mental health, your physical health, your environment, meaning your car, home, closet, kitchen, like where you hang out, your office space, your uh, romantic relationships, your personal relationships, that means friends and family members, your um, hobbies, or what I like to call your joy goals, like goals that you do just for joy, your spirituality goals, your goals related to your purpose, your financial goals. And I think I've missed one other, but all of those areas, you want to take a look at them and decide, okay, well, what, where, where am I kind of missing the mark? Not what's most important to you, but where, when you think about that area, you're like, oh man, I could be, I should be doing a much better job. I should be doing a much better job in this area. And once you decided what that area is, then I want you to set at least three of your goals related to that area. The remainder of them, I don't care if five of them are fitness related and three of them are financial. It doesn't even matter to me if you know seven of them are all in the same category. That's up to you. It's got to be exciting, but at least three of them should relate to an area you personally believe you've missed the mark and you know you could and should be doing better, right? From there, Then what I ask you to do is to do something that so few people remember is critical when you goal set. And that is to start with your push goal, which I call your 11th goal. Your 11th goal is your push goal. Your push goal is a goal that you create after you've created the other 10. And it's a goal that you're like, if I do this, most all the other goals on my list will take care of themselves. Either that or it's neutral to it. So let's say, for example, most of my goals require that I'm making more money and that I'm working less. Well, then I've got to set an 11th goal that makes all of that possible. However, that 11th goal may be neutral as it relates to, say, 
my pure joy that I want to paint once a week. So, but that push goal should have an effect on the goals that you have, which are either financial or related to your stress, etc. Setting the date. So once you have a list of 10 goals, cool. Then you're setting your 11th or your push goal, right? And if you don't understand any of that, don't worry about it. I can teach it to you for free. Yes, Smart Success is closed, but still open is, uh, and always open, it's always free, is my 30-day push program. It's 30day30daypush.com. It's free. And I teach you in much greater detail how to set and achieve your push goals. So if you've done the 30-day push many years ago, I would suggest going back and doing it. If you're a smart success student, stay right where you are. You don't need to do 30-day push. 30-day push is kind of like an an on-ramp for smart success. But um, smart success, we're going to cover all of that and more. So you're good. Trust me. You don't need to go anywhere else. I got you covered. But once you have decided on your push goal and you've said, this is what I I know I can accomplish in, in 90 days if I am determined. Here's the piece that most people miss. They say, I want to do this thing. I've set a goal of doing this and they don't set dates by which each step should be accomplished by. So they'll say, in the next six months or in the next 90 days, I want to launch a new program. Well, that's great. You said in 90, you said 90 days from now, but do you know the exact date? Cause you need to know the exact date. And then really, honestly, before you can even set the exact date, you need to know because you can't just throw a dart at a wall and say, I'd like to do that in 90 days without first knowing what does it take and how long are each one of these steps going to require. So once you've decided on your push goal, you must reverse engineer it. The reverse engineering process is simply a brainstorm. It's simply brainstorming. Have you ever done a complete brainstorm of a pretty big idea or project? Do you want to do one with me right now just to see what it looks like? And I haven't prepared anything. I can just show you how I do this. You want to do it? Let's just say, let's just pretend hypothetically that you want to create an ebook and you want this ebook uh, to be, you want this ebook to be an Amazon bestseller. Okay, so I'm going to write that goal in the next 90 days. This is how I do a reverse brainstorming session. I have not done this before. So uh, this particular exercise, I haven't thought about creating an Amazon bestseller before. I have a New York Times bestseller. That's a different list. That's a much different list. But if you want an Amazon best ebook, so this is just an ebook, and this means I'm going to self-publish it. So I'm going to write down ebook self-published. Now, here's my process. I simply think of absolutely anything that I could possibly need to know as it relates to this project in no particular order as it pops into my head. Okay. So the first thing I want to do is I'm going to research. Oh, I'm going to do a lot of ours. So I'm going to research the current top sellers in the category I'm looking at. And I'm also going to look at underneath that research. I'm going to look at length, title, price, content, author, their promotion, their platform, their audience. I'm going to buy the ebook. I'm going to buy 10 of the other top Amazon bestsellers. I'm going to buy 10 of them. And I'm going to find out what do they have in common. I'm going to look at how many reviews. I'm going to look at... Um, so right now, I'm, this is all 
research, which FYI, I would outsource this to a virtual assistant. Uh, but again, so now I've got, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, like 15 steps already. And I haven't written a word. Then once I know, see, because I want to do research, you don't just write the book when you don't even know. You don't even know what goes into it. You got you got to start with your research first. Okay, then once I figure out that, then I need to figure out, do I need photos, right? So now once I've got a, a pretty good idea of what most people with the top Amazon bestsellers look like. That's not to say that mine has to be just like this, but now I know generally speaking, they are this long. Generally speaking, they're sold for this price point. Generally speaking, uh, this is the author. This is the, you know, I know a lot about, what those books have in common. The next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to research what it took to get into that position. How long, how long ago was their book published? And I'm only going to look at self-published books because that's my goal is to have a self-published book become an Amazon bestseller. Now, FYI, truth, if you are a, an Amazon bestseller in your category for one hour, of one day, can you still call yourself an Amazon bestseller? You can, and people do. I'll hear people call themselves bestsellers. I'm like, bestseller in your neighborhood? It's awfully vague, isn't it? If you hear people all the time, they're like, I'm a bestseller. I'm like, where? <laughs> you know, but we don't, you know, I'm just saying. I'm, I'm saying that because I know a lot of people make it their um, goal to become a New York Times bestseller. But I wonder sometimes, because I know how freaking hard that was, and you haven't seen me write a book since then, have you? I know how freaking hard that was to do, and I know a lot of people have that a goal, and I wonder how often people actually catch the distinction between New York Times bestseller and bestseller or Amazon bestseller. And I might add, you've never heard me say I was a number one New York Times bestselling author, because I wasn't number one. That was my goal. We didn't hit it. It was my goal to become a number one New York Times bestselling author. Didn't hit number one, hit the list, you know, and that's great because it's still on my resume. Now, what's the next thing I have to do? Now I need to write my book, okay, and I need to record audios of my book. Then I have to research how many pages, 10 minutes, of my audio recordings. So if I have a 10-minute audio recording, how many minutes, uh, how many pages does that equate to? Because that's going to help me figure out how much I need to record. Because I'm, I'm not, I prefer, that's my preferred method. So I'm, I'm going to audio record it, and then I'm going to have a someone that I work with, a VA, take my transcript and fluff it up and proofread it for me. Okay, then I'm going to find um, a, a writer. Sometimes these are called ghost writers. But don't let that term freak you out because a lot of people are like, oh, ghostwriter, does that mean they wrote it for you? And some people do use flat out ghostwriters. There are bajillions of celebrities who didn't write a word, didn't transcribe a word. They will sit down or get on the phone with a ghostwriter and explain to them what they want their book to be about. And then the writer writes it. It's their story, but it's in the ghostwriter's words. And then there are ghostwriters who will take your content, even the, the book that you've already written, and they'll make it better. They went to school for this, but then it, it's still, it's your work. And when I got my deal with Rodell, part, I, the book was already written when I got my book deal. And they said, you need to hire a, a ghostwriter and here's the ghostwriter you'll need to hire. And here's how much you have to pay her. And it was $30,000. I'm like, I already wrote the book. And they said, 
well, too bad. Take it or leave it. And I was like, but I already wrote the book. I don't understand. And they said, but you're not a writer. And we have to, this is, this is the level of excellence that we expect here at Rodell. We have just a few ghostwriters that we work with. This, we've chosen this person for you because she writes with people who's, who've already written the book. And she's just going to make sure that everything is really in the right order. And you know what? It was, it was a great experience because I was so annoyed and so defensive at first. I was like, really? Okay. So you, so ghostwriter, now you're going to tell me how to write my book. And I was very defensive. Like at first on the inside, I didn't speak it. But then once she sent me back some revisions, I was like, oh, you know what? It actually does make sense for that chapter to come before this chapter. And, and I kind of agree with you. It, that does make sense now that you've asked me a few questions. And this is probably a better way of explaining it. And in the end, in the end, there were some pieces that I wish had been included in the book that were not. But for the most part, it was really great to have her. I don't know if it was worth that much money, but you know, it is what it is. And it was really great to have her expertise. Okay. So now we're, but we're talking about an ebook. Okay. So now we're talking about who, who am I going to hire to do this? How long is this going to take? And I'm going to do that by researching how long this is going to take for me to take the audios, have them transcribed, and then work with a writer to make it perfect. And now how many photos do I need? Do I need photos? Who's going to take the photos? I'm going to research software for creating and releasing ebooks. I'm going to um, purchase the software. I'm going to look into consultants because consultants will always save you money and find the short. I'm going to look into consultants who do this and have a track record of getting people on the Amazon bestseller list. And I'm going to interview them and I'm going to weigh that cost. And I'm going to Figure out how much email marketing needs to be done in order to build up a list of people who are excited to buy my book when it releases. Then I'm going to create freemiums and I'm going to create two or three freemiums that relate to the topic of my book and I'm going to... Um, look into lead pages and creating opt-ins for those freemiums. I'm going to research and find out approximately how many people do I need on my list in order to believe that I have enough people to launch the book. That's the piece that's going to tell me when I can set the date for this goal. So even if I finish all of this, these things on here, if I've set a goal of doing this in 90 days, yet one of the tidbits of information that I uncover in that tidbit, I it is revealed to me that I need, just hypothetically speaking, 100,000 people on my email list in order to hit the Amazon bestseller list. And I see this and I'm like, 100,000, I can't get 100. There's just no way I'm going to be able to reach 100,000 on my email list in the next 90 days. I do, however, believe that I could do it in the next, say, six months. Now I can set a date. I can set a date for my book to hit the Amazon bestseller list. All of these other pieces, which are brain dumps, right? All of these other pieces, these all need dates on them too. Because if I don't put a date on them, guess what I do not have? I do not have urgency. Let me tell you how important dates are. Dates make your promise public. When you say to yourself, I want, I need to do this soon, the only person you'll ever be letting down is you. But when you set a date publicly for just even one of these things on this list, what you're doing is making yourself accountable to everyone else. Until that point, if nobody knows about it, you haven't failed and you've let no one down except yourself. 
No one thinks you're a flake because nobody knew about it. Dates make us feel urgency. We are best in our 11th hour, aren't we? Like if I told you, listen, you've got the rest of the week to think about something that you want to do in the next 90 days, will you take the whole week to figure that out? But if I said to you, all right, you've got exactly 90 seconds to decide on a big goal that you'd like to accomplish in the next 90 days, you'll do it like that. We like fast approaching deadlines. We work best under pressure. We work best in the 11th hour. Every step of your goal, however, needs a date attached and the date has to be made public. The biggest mistake I see entrepreneurs making all the time is they set a date without doing this. Number one, if you're good and you're setting dates and you haven't done the research to figure out what goes into it, you've pulled the trigger without really taking a moment to line up your ducks, number one. And then number two, even worse than that, are the people who have these really big dreams and goals and they've even taken the time to write it down on paper, but they never give it a date. And you know what happens when you never give it a date? I'll tell you what happens. When you never set a date for that big dream that you have that's going to change your life and take you to the next level, right? Do you know what happens if you don't? Life gets in the way. Life happens. Things come up and then everything else and everyone else becomes just that much more important than your big goal. Ladies and gentlemen, it has been an honor. Thank you so much for being here. Love ya. Promise I'll be back. I mean it.